0: Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, it's a dangerous omen of a special episode. Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature Then both have to pick a number between 1 and 10 order sealed F rates for the next episode One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones Let the chaos begin I am Adam Thomas, aka White Salt
1: And I am Thomas Mariani and The fuck did you get here? That's <laughs> well, a funny story back then. <laughs> oh. uh, I did a lot of hitchhiking <laughs> wow! Yep. In case you might be confused If you're maybe listening to this on audio uh, Adam and I are in the same place At the same time for the first time in the show's history For a very crucial uh, 200th
0: 200. episode 200. Yes. Can you believe that? No Me neither man What the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so Thomas is uh, In Michigan In my humble abode He's shacked up with me for a week
1: Yes, uh, throughout the history of the show, we've tried to, like, have meet-up things and just never worked out yeah. for some reason or another.
0: Well, COVID being one of those probably big <laughs> ones.
1: So the big thing also for this episode is that while there is an audio version out there that uh, most people can listen to, if you're a patron, patreon.com slash for just a $1 a month, uh, you get special bonus things, uh, and that includes a video version of this episode that will be uploaded.
0: Hey, finger guns to the patrons, to those of you listening. Fuck you. You don't get to see all
1: this. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Yeah, yeah, we we appreciate yeah, no, all no, the please, every thank you download. So and thank you me. can see all sorts of stuff uh, that the audio people don't like the illustrious background, all art done by Adam Thomas. Yes.
2: Mm.
0: I'm not going to get my security deposit back. <laughs> 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 but it's lovely artwork. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes. Um, but yeah, so
1: today for the 200th episode. We you know, we're contemplating what to do because we usually for every fifty we do the redemption thing. Right. Is usually but um it because of the weird thing where it's like we wanted to have it the opposite of the last time we did a redemption, mm-hmm. uh, we ended up doing it as one ninety nine. Right. So we were like, what do we do for two hundred? We were very impressed uh, yeah. for us being together, we we really uh went on and on trying to think of what to do. And then we decided Just like a fun thing. How about we dig into each other's ratings on Letterboxd, Mm -hmm. the app that we love uh, documenting all of our viewing habits on. Right. Um, And we decided, how about I dig into your very highly rated films
0: and Mm -hmm. pick a couple choices and you did the same for my two bad ones. Right. Yeah, and it it just works out too because it kind of just shows more or less our own personal tastes a little bit more. Right. And, um, you know, we're not tied down to one genre at all. Right. As you'll find out (laughs) with these choices.
1: And plus it's also interesting given just the history of our friendship in general before the show. We mostly agree on things. But I would say there's a solid, like, it's like 80, 20. I think we mostly agree. But that 20% is a bit interesting in terms of where we differ.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. But I don't think it's ever like uh, um, I really love something that you absolutely hate or vice versa. No. It's usually like yeah, it's fine. Like, you know, right. something I love or something you. I didn't think it was that bad. Right. But it's never like uh, just a total polar opposite.
1: Right. But it's interesting just kind of looking into that because mm. I wouldn't necessarily hugely agree with your choice being like top tier necessarily. Um, but, which we'll get into. But on the opposite end of things, uh, we both very much agree about our bad film. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, a yeah, yeah yeah very yeah, yeah, yeah. specific way uh, so basically if you're new uh, every week Adam and I randomly pick a good and a bad feature based on the topic and in this case uh, I had two choices from your top rated picks mm-hmm. and we end up with the original 1976 the omen yep and then uh, you had two picks that I had rated very poorly uh-huh. and we end up with dangerous men oh yeah baby. which is a very special movie that it's, we'll talk about yeah it's... as we'll talk about Yeah, there's a lot there. Yes, but uh, let's go ahead and do The Omen.
2: For generations, the Thorns have been a family of tremendous wealth, position, and power. The perfect marriage of Ambassador Robert Thorn and his wife Catherine was fulfilled by the birth of their son, Damian. And then, when the child was five years old, something terrible happened. (laughs) And then, it happened again. Was it an accident? Was it murder? Was it a coincidence? Or was it an omen?
0: Look at me, Damien. It's all for you.
2: 20th Century Fox presents a film of psychological suspense about an occurrence of earth-shaking importance. Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. If this is the truth, where does it end?
1: So The Omen uh, came out June 6, 1976, from director Richard Donner, who recently passed away. Uh, Very interesting director in terms of, uh, it's weird how he didn't have as much of a distinctive style necessarily, but was just like so diverse in the way he worked in genres.
0: Yeah, that's true. I never thought about it that way. But like, you know, Superman, um, The Goonies, The Goonies, Lethal Weapon, weapon, Omen, yeah, all four Lethal Weapon. The Omen, like yeah, all they're all so vastly different, but they're just sort of like expertly crafted. Too. Yeah,
1: even the one that we cover on the show, the um, the Roger Hauer one, Lady Hawk. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So the Omen came out in in nineteen seventy six and was very interesting because um, it was very successful at the time and is also I didn't realize this based on no other property. It's like an original script. Yeah, 100%. Because I would have figured, like, when we watched this movie together, mm. I said, like, I would have figured this would have been based on, like, some best-selling novel I never read. Kind of like The Exorcist. You're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. way, yeah. Yeah. And people even at the time accused this of being just an exorcist, kind of, like,
0: riding the coattails of that. Which is weird, just because it's religious horror, I guess? <laughs> yeah, that's I literally the only reason. And there's a kid in it. Right. That's, that's the only reason. Yes, yes. Um, this is... um in no way like the, well, I guess other than the Catholicism undertones, but it's just a completely different animal.
1: Well, I and mean, it just feels like that comes in sort of waves of sort of like that religious horror. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like particularly at the time, I, The Exorcist I would definitely say kick that off, and this movie wouldn't probably exist without The Exorcist to some degree. Yeah, I think that's true. Right. I think right. that's true. But um, at the same time, it, it's definitely just taking like, okay, the, everyone's scared of religious stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and go. Full bore into that. And I'm curious, Adam, given you rated this so highly, and yeah. I chose it mainly just because like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this movie in ages, mm-hmm. so I definitely want to cover it. Um, why is it like so high for you?
0: Um, well, it's one of those <sighs> that I saw at a very young age that I probably shouldn't have. Well, not that I definitely shouldn't have. I was right. probably six or five, <laughs> like that young. And I just, there was a couple things that always stuck out for me, like um, Billy Whitelaw for sure. Like the grins and all that stuff, but the dog in the bedroom, the beheading scene, the it's all for you, Damien, which I ranked as, you know, when we did our little countdown list as my favorite all-time death. Uh, Patreon.com slash GEDV pod yeah. for the top yeah. 10 list, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, please. <laughs> um, anyhow, but yeah, I just, it's still it was so effective then, um, and that's even without understanding what I was watching. Like, I had no idea. Like, you know, five-year-old kid was, you know, about God and the devil and all that stuff. You just know you're watching something that's scary, that's really effective. As I got older and, you know, I got more, not necessarily more into religion, but started understanding more about religion and sort of where my own faith lies and things like that, um, it just opened the movie up even more for me. And, you know, it becomes just this really interesting take on basically a, a special, like, mystery thriller movie. Like, is he really the son of the devil? Is he this? Is he that? And the religion is just used as sort of a tool to tell this really, really scary and interesting story.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's interesting, especially like looking into some of the trivia things like Gregory Peck, who I'm really am surprised in retrospect that dude was even in this movie.
0: I know, it's kind of nuts. Right.
1: Apparently the reason he wanted to do it was because he thought the script read more like a suspense thriller of some sort. And was worried about, like, oh, he saw sort of, like, the gore effects on so He's just like, I don't know if I want to do this picture anymore. I kind mm-hmm. of regret that. Um, but he ended up at least liking how it looked on screen. I think that's what's interesting about it, really, is the stuff that fascinates me more at this point is less about kind of, like, the oh spooky horror thing, like the yeah. Antichrist or whatever. Because, like, I'd seen this, it was around the time the remake came out. Because it was just like, oh, I'd heard about The Omen, but I'd never seen the original movie, so I might as well. Um, And I thought it was really fascinating at that point, just because I was still more in a state of just like, oh, what if if the Antichrist were to come? Right, right. The horror that would be. Now it's just more of like, oh, this is just a story about somebody who doesn't want to deal with the potential grief of loss and wants to completely shield yeah. themselves and even their partner mm-hmm. from that, have those feelings, and then kind of move on from them. It's right. like, no, I want to avoid them, even at
0: the cost of uh, raising the spawn of Satan. Right. Which, you know, most parents feel like their child's spawn of Satan at some point. <laughs> There's kids <laughs> in my brain!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I still think of this more as... It's definitely, I think, closer to a suspense thriller than just an out-and-out out horror. I think the mm-hmm. horror of it is the implications of, if this is the Antichrist, and is it going to cause Armageddon and things like that, that's more or less, I think, where the horror really comes into play. Right. There's really not a lot of sort of like, real jump-scary moments or things like that in this. I I, I I agree, the only ones that you get are really involving the dogs. and They show up and bark out of nowhere and stuff. But other than that, it's just a real sort of methodically paced, tension-building movie. That's That's more or less what it is.
1: Right, and I guess it's also kind of about, like, from the parental perspective, a bit more of, like, oh, is my kid just, like, fucked from the beginning and I can't really change anything about them? Yes. Is, is, the well, answer is yes. <laughs> Right. I mean, is raising a kid who, like, in theory came from this other point, like, is there no way I can adjust from that? Is there no way I can, like, turn this kid around from that? Just, like, this is a
0: ticking time bomb that I can't stop.
2: hmm
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, and... You know, he even goes through that in this movie. Uh, Robert Thorne does. You know, he's like, uh, well, I could n- die. <laughs> and then, like, the very next thing, I can't kill a child, it's only a boy! blah 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 and then the very next scene he's got the knives again like he should, it's constant like what the fuck do I do about this what can I do what can I do well
1: especially when he's this guy who in, like when we're introduced to him he's like oh I'm a British ambassador I'm a very like um, popular person like I have there's been no issue with my life basically I've just kind of like yeah, 100 from place to place and his whole life just falls apart and, like, over the course of like a week <laughs> after his, yeah. his birthday <laughs> yeah
0: after his birthday yeah it's yeah probably about a week maybe two Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all of his actual sins coming back to him. Well, it's it's ultimately the lie. Yes. It's, it's ultimately the lie that, he, you know, he doesn't tell his wife that their son, their child died during birth. Right. And, uh, you know, just lying and accepting to raise this thing that's no part of you, no, you know, not a product of your, of your loins, so to speak. And I think inherently there's terror and, you know, sort of. Doubt and suspense and everything just in that notion alone, like the idea of raising a child that, you know, you have no connection to at all, having to keep up that lie, having to basically pretend to find things that, you know, oh, that gets that from me or he gets that from you or you know so just living with a lie like that it's it's insane
1: well i think it's less like the the factor of like because that's technically it's just basically like it's a quote-unquote adoption but from the perspective only like, from him though for that's, only for him right. yeah that's what i'm saying so right he's got as opposed to actually if he had put his wife in on this like hey i'm so sorry this happened. we lost we child
0: but we can get another one right right now. we like, could potentially raise this baby who doesn't have a mother right exactly right. I mean, that's another story. Right. Because then you know that it's not your child. You know that... It, I mean, yeah, Robert does, but nobody else does. Right. You know, so like I said, he's got to lie constantly to Kate or Kathy or whatever. I think she's Kathy in this one and Kate in the remake. Right. But constantly lie to her and, you know, ultimately she, what happens to her is because she starts to realize, like, this... I don't think this is my child. I Like, this can't be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she pays the ultimate price for it for his... uh. For his dishonesty. I mean, and anyone else who tries to expose this
1: truth, mm-hmm. which I do kind of like the sort of setup for it. Um, I, was, I was saying this to Adam. Like, it kind of feels like it's the inspiration for a lot of the uh, Final Destination movies in
0: terms of, like, just the, the yeah. setups for all the death sequences. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's it's one of my favorite sort of setups like that in a movie with the very simple technique of, you know, when the photos are exposed, there's a black line through, you know, like David Warner's neck. Uh, the black line through the priest through where he gets impaled it's like you can see how they're going to die you...
1: right it's like the fun kind of conspiracy theory yeah. it doesn't involve like Hugh or any bullshit like that <laughs> right. right David Warner just kind of just like John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to come back on this stage it's like oh no this isn't fun <laughs> no this is not <laughs> Right. Like, oh, also John no. F. Kennedy Jr. I think is like 12 in 1976 or whatever yeah something <laughs> right. like that yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get, wow well, take it easy David Warner good lord he'll come back and he'll save America do will make it great again. Um, to handle something as delicately, especially in, you know, this time, as far as, like, religious horror and things like that. I obviously, yes, I agree with you. The Exorcist sort of spearheaded that. Um, but you had this and you had, like, I mean, no, I don't really like the movie, but, like, The Sentinel and things like that. They were very uh, religion-based. And uh, I think this one handles it probably the most delicate. Because it takes, you know, obviously The Exorcist is a lot of the gross out, the body horror, the, you know, it's, it's a terrifying fucking movie. The Exorcist is terrifying. But mm-hmm. this one really sort of takes the ideas of the prophecies of the Bible and everything, and it doesn't insult anybody. Like, this movie is never insulting towards religion at all. It, it takes the story that's in the Bible and just says, well, what if this is true? What if this is going to happen?
1: Well, and even it does, like mess with some things in interesting ways that are culturally, like mm-hmm. laid down. Like I found out, like I'm because I'm not a very religious person, as could probably be told by the podcast. I'm a heathen <laughs> of some sort. Yeah. But what was interesting was finding out that apparently in the Bible, the Antichrist isn't really specified as like son of Satan. No, it is just like not someone who is like an agent of the devil. Versus, like, well, being, like, literally the spawn of Satan. It's, like, something basically, like, this movie helped culturally cultivate.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's that's very true.
1: Because, I mean, I think it, it's just more, it takes the basic tenets of just, like, oh, there is an Antichrist. <laughs> and turns that into this interesting horror movie that's, like, as we mentioned about parental kind of struggle and you know just and kind grief of, and, and grief and, and avoidance yeah. of like feelings like that yeah and Gregory Peck is kind of perfect to play that because like we all at this point even when this movie came out knew him as you know Atticus, Atticus Finch yeah the perfect father figure to be yeah kind of thing right. and then to reverse it here which just like he's just like oh I have all of like the authority of an Atticus Finch but none of the actual warmth really even when he's like with Damien it feels
0: almost just like it's an afterthought yeah, he's just going through the motions. Right. Just you know, like, like, oh, he's like, i got to be a dad right now because yeah, there's right. cameras here, basically. Right. Yeah, 100%. Or I'm around my wife just like, all right, I'll give her a break. Yeah, pretty much. Right, right. Um, no, he is absolutely perfect in this. And the thing is, you can kind of tell that he, there's points where he probably didn't want to be in this movie. And I think that just adds to the performance, sort of the disconnection. That he's trapped in the film. Yeah, but... <laughs> so he's, he's trapped of, in the situation. Yeah, just sort of the disconnected... Part of his, you know, performance, like, especially when he is around Kathy and Damon before he finds out, where he's just kind of, he's basically just the stuff shirt politician. Right. You know, and, uh, once shit starts to hit the fan, like, he's got the breakdown scene when, you know, he finds out Kathy dies, even though it's really not like a hugely, he doesn't wail and, you know, pain or anything, he just kind of puts I, I think, his head in the pillow. He
1: just becomes more detached even than he's previously been.
0: Yeah, right. Uh... But it works in that way, like he now he's just like he's lost everything. You know his wife's dead. He, he find out he's raising the spawn of the devil. Uh, he finds the corpse of his child. You know like now it's just like oh, can, what else do I got to do? I gotta, I'm gonna go stab this infant. <laughs> like you know, like fuck it. I mean sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta stab an infant. I guess I don't know. Infanticide (laughs) fantasy. I do not adore Stabbing infants No no, for the record No
1: Uh, Five year olds fine Yeah yeah, yeah. And if it's it's the antichrist (laughs) Right Uh, But we should mention uh, Speaking of the child himself uh, The actor who plays Damien Is Harvey Spencer Stevens Who didn't really act That much after this Is more of like Apparently like a journalist
0: now Yeah
1: Is what he became Uh, But he's kind of like The perfect kid In terms of like For this movie Where
0: Damien's not Technically a character yeah, he has, like, n- barely any to no dialogue, except for at the end, really, when he's like,
2: Please, Daddy!
0: Or, Daddy he barely talks. He's just kind of this little cherubic-looking kid that you can really... They really did a good job picking this kid, because, yeah, he's very cute. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got these cute little cheeks, bright blue eyes, everything, but... There's no question that kid's the son of the devil,
1: <laughs> right? Which I mean is, is is helped by a lot of like the filmmaking stuff I think, mm-hmm. where like because there are so many points where he does look like he could just be a genuine child, just yeah, like, yeah, very, yeah, like oh sweet cute innocent kid, and then when uh, Lee Bremick is like about to fall off and mm-hmm. he just like stares down at her. Because it's the blank face. Like, when he's smiling, it seems like, oh, he's a cheerful kid. But when he's blank, it is genuinely upsetting.
0: In comparison to, like, you know, fully transparent, we watched this and then the remake right after just to see. Whereas in the remake, you can tell they're telling the kid, look as evil as you can. Try to look as sinister as you can and blah, blah, blah. Especially with those fucking... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Cuts in the Omen remake. There are points where, like, they'll have weird dream sequences for Julia Stiles' his character. Yeah, and it'll just be weird flash, just like, oh look, here's Damien with the noose. He's got vampire teeth. Or yeah, something yeah, and <laughs>
0: wearing, yeah. And he's wearing like a fucking Slipknot mask. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. But... <laughs> and,
1: and then the fucking literally the reused hood figures from The Village show up. Yeah, <laughs> it's really dumb.
0: It's really bad. But yeah,
1: y- and I'm glad we watched it also because, like, we like if we were to ever cover that on this show. We would just do like a shot for shot remake of our conversation.
0: Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's the same It's the same
1: fucking to, movie. To the point where the original, the guy who was writing that remake was told by the WGA, like, this is so close, we can't credit you. We have to credit David Seltzer, yeah. who wrote the yeah, original. Yeah, so the guy movie.
0: who wrote the remake got zero credit for it.
1: And he just gave it to the guy who wrote the original, who I think was even retired by that point. Just like, oh shit, show yeah, up. i get some money. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, take it. <laughs> Did nothing. Did absolutely nothing. And you could tell.
0: It's just, it's terrible. But that kid, like I said, you could tell he was getting direction. Like, really look evil. Really try to, like, you know, you're the bad kid here. And it feels like in this one, I don't think they gave him that much direction when it comes to that stuff. I think they just don't look at her. Like, just look. Like, don't. He didn't like, even, like, widen his eyes or anything. He just looked like a fucking little kid, chilling.
1: Right, and Richard Donner's one of those guys who's worked very well with child actors. Mm -hmm. Like, throughout his whole career, he did that. I think this is a great example, where he's just like, how about you be a kid? And, like, sometimes you might be spooky, but it's not that... Yeah, and if
0: I remember correctly, the story is at the end, you know, when he turns to the camera, and he gradually smiles and gets bigger and bigger, and it's such a genuine smile. Like, it really is. As far as I know, I'm not exactly sure what he was doing, but Richard Donner was off-screen, either doing Silly Faces... Or making fart noises or something like that to get that kid to smile. And it works so well because it looks so genuine. Like that kid is really just living it up.
1: Right. Which is helped also by the fact that the score playing throughout this course by Jerry Goldsmith. Mm-hmm.
0: And for some reason the only movie he ever won an Oscar for. Which is baffling. I, I hope. And they the fucking... I, 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 I want to live in the world where they performed the original song live at the Oscars. <laughs> Like we were talking about that, it, it right?
1: Because like the thing is, it, he was nominated in one Best Original Score, but also "Avi Satani" was for some
0: reason a separate song that was nominated. <laughs> I know, and I just love the fact, like, like Thomas brought up how funny it would be if they if they performed that live at the Oscars, but because it was a the seventies, like, and now "Avi Satani" as performed by Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> you know, just
2: how good. <laughs>
1: But, um, and I believe that Oscar went to the original song that Barbara Streisand and Paul Williams wrote for the Star is Born remake. Well, I mean, that
0: makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes,
1: that makes, Not Abe Satani? Well, the Academy know. Voters just like, yeah, Jamie,
0: out to this. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh. Put on my record of Abe Satani. You know, someone get a fucking goat in here. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, no, it's just... This movie is so perfectly crafted to me where it's just... I don't feel like there's a wasted piece of film in this movie. Right. I think it works so well from start to end, just setting up that tension, setting up that tension, You let it build, let it build, let it build, and Crescendo with Gregory Peck getting shot, and then you're like, oh man, the funeral, and then when it just, you know, we gotta leave Mr. President, and it pans down, and the President's got Damien, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> like, it's just perfect ending. It's such like a dark, really macabre ending. Right, it's a very much a bleak movie. Yeah, whole, yeah. Like, yeah. I would say bleak right. is a good word for this, yeah. right?
1: And I think it's because like you get that bleakness throughout the whole movie. Not just we've only really mentioned Gregory Peck and the kid, but like the whole supporting cast is great. Like Lee yeah. Remick in particular. Oh, she's I wonderful. Feel, yeah, yeah, I feel like so, so bad good. for. Her.
0: Yeah, and Billy Whitelaw's perfect too. Oh. I mean, she's terrifying.
1: Yeah, particularly the shot where like um, it's where uh, Gregory Peck is trying to get Damien like after he looks at the yeah. like, birthmark. And you just
0: see, like, her walking down that hallway and just, like, the shadows cascading mm-hmm. on her. hmm So. So effective. Yeah. Or, like, when the um, Remnick is getting ready to leave the hospital and she's trying to get dressed and she's got, like, the shawl over her face. And Billy Whitelaw just walks in so slowly, just head pointed just a little bit forward. And it's just enough. That's just enough. Where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this, she's going to kill her. Like, <laughs> this is terrifying. Right. And you can see, it, like, even the, her reaction, the Remnick's reaction is just frozen in fear. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. Oh, man. Fucking love this movie, kid. <laughs>
1: um, what would you say, then, is your best, like, your favorite horror sequence? Is it, like... The beheading. Okay. But David Warner's beheading. David Warner's again. slow-mo
0: beheading. It's uh, it's so crazy effective, and it still looks good. Like, mm-hmm. even for 1970s practical effects. But the fact that they, the way they did it, and they got that head to spin in the air... Yes. The whole time going forward as the body and the glass is going through... It's just, it's so perfect. It works so perfect. It's so visceral, so violent. I mean, yeah, it's a beheading, but it's not like a huge geyser of blood or anything like that. It's just the head separates from the neck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have to say it still probably is the one that you put on the Patreon of the the nanny. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yes. uh, Well, I take mine back. You can have the best. I mean, (laughs) either of those were pretty great. But um, yeah, shout out to, it's Holly Palance, the lady who plays the nanny. And the way. Not related to Jack. No, I don't think so. I I don't know, maybe. I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, But um, what what I love so much about that sequence is the build-up to it kind of feeds off of, you know, Donner's sort of naturalism that he always did, which Mm -hmm. is like, it feels like you're just at a kid's birthday party. Like, right before that, it just oh, a rich just very, ass kid's birthday party, well, but true. yeah, it's like yeah, bro- but right, we're just like kids are playing around, it's just yeah. like it kind of like captures it. Parents that. are disinterested, even like Damien is doing like fun things. Like, I love the bit where it's on that little like metal yeah, the thing like, that only could have existed in the 70s before like, Yeah, You ain't put a kid on that, now. no, 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 way. no, but he just goes down, he's like very cheerful and joyful, mm-hmm. just like
0: everything's fun, and then that nanny makes her big declaration. Oh, it's so good, dude, it's so terrifying. You because, know, and it's, it's funny because he's like, you know, he's on the merry-go-round, all the moms are around, all the kids, the dads are like got beers mm-hmm. hanging out, and you can just hear her, because you, you hear her calling him for a good 10 to 15 seconds before they reveal. Yeah. You can just hear, you know, Damien, Damien, look at me, I'm up here, Damien. And yeah, once it gets to her, and, you know, the one thing this one does really well in comparison to the remake as well, especially in that scene, you don't even realize she's got a noose around her neck at first.
1: No, she's just up there. She's like, just oh, standing on the roof, like, what, the, roof, like, what
0: yeah. the fuck is happening? Whereas in the remake, she's literally holding the news like this. Like, oh, jeez. I wonder what's going to No, happen. no, what's she going to do? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, you don't even really, it takes a second. Even just that one second of, like, what is going mm-hmm. on makes it so much more eerie and, con- like, confusing and scary. They give you a chance to use your imagination or try to figure it out before they show you. And to me, that works so much more than just showing everything.
1: Right, and I think this movie, like those two sequences, are the best example of like how the suspense and then the payoff actually like really work in tandem. Mm-hmm. I would say some of the other sequences, I prefer the setup to the eventual like horror death. Like I mean, Patrick Troughton's is a great example of that, where I love the fact that he's going around like the little weather's affecting everything, everything's big and massive, and then the actual like spike coming down. I don't. I think the impact is you can tell the limitations of the time. Sure. Sure feel it's most there or Lee Remick's I think is a great example where I love the build up yeah, so much to that sequence with like the tricycle and her like setting up everything and mm-hmm. the goldfish falling down it's like oh no, know what's gonna happen in the actual shot of Lee Remick where they follow like the basically the cameras on the body and she's like
0: yeah, no. yeah. and then she like boom, bounces boom. like it's so silly but then it pays off though because then you get her falling out of the hospital window straight through the ambulance Right, which we even made the joke. Someone calling him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Someone calling him. Someone's been hurt. Uh, But, yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Uh, I think the setup in particular to... uh, I'm not going to remember his name, but Doctor Who. uh, The the,
1: the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton. Yes. Yeah, that
0: guy. Troughton. Fishman.
1: Look, it's a very British last (laughs) name. It's a
0: fishman. You're a fucking fishman, ain't ya? (laughs) Um, But, um... Yeah, I, I agree. The build-up to his death is a lot more effective than the death itself. I think the idea of how he's killed is fucking cool. I like that the you know he gets impaled and all that right in the churchyard. But yes, you can see definitely see the limitations to it. But, again, and I don't want to keep talking about the remake, but it is the same fucking movie. Uh, I vastly prefer this compared to the way they do Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah. Where, same death, basically, but it's so overtly CGI with the way the pole falls and you follow it and then it falls through the glass well
1: and it's also it's so weird where like you see the influence that the Omen had, original one had on the Final Destination whereas by that movie I believe it's like the same year as Final Destination 3 so they kind of have yeah. to play up to that Yeah, and it feels so much more just like oh we're trying to basically like copy this influence 100%. thing from the original movie so it's either that movie's either following the exact scene for scene line for line bits of the original movie mm-hmm. or kind of aping the things that were inspired by the Omen
0: yeah, I agree. So it's yeah, just a, a fucking nothing. <laughs> needed more roller coaster and choose your own adventure in the Almond remake.
1: Right, that's true. And more Miraless with, with Winstead. More with Winstead, for sure. Yes. And that was so interesting, especially when we watch those back-to-back. It's so fascinating how, like we said,
0: literally, do we, do like, why? Do we want to tell them what happened while we were watching the remake? Oh, yeah. We were about a half hour in, and then we just decided to shoot each other with Nerf guns for the rest of the it, movie. Adam has a large selection of Nerf guns. Oh yeah, I got like fourteen of them. Come try to take them, John Government. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to break my house, so I thought this was American. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Oh, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, that's how disinterested we were. Not, and I, I mean, I'm sure some of it has to do because we just watched the original,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we're watching the remake right after. But the remake is such a cookie cutter fucking. It's got that blue steely filter over fucking everything from like circa
1: mid two thousands. Like every, every genre weird we've had.
0: fucking camera cuts. Like, there's a scene where it transitions into a setting sun for, like, a, like two seconds. Yes. And then it just goes black, screen goes to black, and it's daytime again. And you're like, what the fuck was
1: the point of this? And a cast of very good people. Oh, like, yeah, everybody's good if you cast. had ask me, like, cast this movie in the mid-2000s, this would be a pretty solid cast. Pretty solid, of that.
0: other than Mia Farrow, I, I'd argue, right the only is... one. where it's like, nah, this doesn't work. No. And
1: credit to, like, Julia Dallas is the only one who kind of gives a shit. Uh, Timothy Thulis is, is going for it. I think he's trying. I, I think he—he—he's a character actor who appreciates
0: every job, no matter how. Yeah, I, I'll go. I'll go. Okay, I'll go with that. I believe mean, Schreiber wasn't up to snuff yet. I you could tell he was still. Also, he looks on like some kind of medication throughout the home, which is yeah, like. I probably was. I love you, wife. <laughs> 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 Stay away from my family, please. Um, yeah, but it's just we were talking about last night how funny it is that you take. Like a shot for shot remake, basically. Not shot for shot, but story beat by story beat. Basically, like almost line for line in most of it. Most of it is line for line. Yeah. And how you know, one made in the seventies with his limitations and everything can be so much more effective than this one, you know, made in two thousand and six. Remember? It was released on a fucking Tuesday. So six, six, six 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 six. Oh, Oh,
1: God, and how stupid that That was the fucking, only impetus I think that movie even was made. How was so we could come out fucking with
0: stupid that bit is, too, where it's like the clocks all change to 666 right before people die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know he's the son of the devil. We get the 666 thing. You don't have to shove it down your fucking throats. But that's why the original works so well. Mm-hmm. Because there's that question. Up until where he cuts his hair and sees it, there's still a chance that it's not true that he is not the antichrist there is still a, as small as a chance as it may be it's still uncertain at least for robert thorne whereas in the remake it's like he as soon as they get together him and david thewlis he's like my son is dead i think i'm raising the devil you're like what wait a minute
1: like well i to be fair i think that was an interesting like thing also looking at the behind the scenes stuff where apparently that's how richard donner wanted it to be more like but the screenwriter was very much against that. And even the producer agreed more with the screenwriter. But like, oh no, it should be unambiguous. He's the son of the devil. And I don't, I don't think I have much doubt. Even when no, I first no, saw no, this, no, like, no. no, he's son of the devil. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> I, no, I'm not saying that as the audience. Because no, it's obvious. Yeah. But I'm saying as the, if you're following the Robert Thorne character. Mm-hmm. It's kind of up until that moment that he cuts the hair. Because he even, you know, the the one guy's stupid name, like Buchenhagen. Who wrote that fucking <laughs> name? It. It's probably the screenwriter's grandfather. <laughs> you know, Boogahog. Boogahog and, yeah. Uh, but anyways, even up to that point where, you know, he's telling him he'll have a birthmark or marking of three sixes. And Robert Thorne's like, then it's not true. Because he doesn't have those. I've watched him; I know every inch of him. Then it's, it's not true. He's not the Antichrist. It can't be. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, he cuts his hair and finds it. But it's just that you follow him with this doubt constantly throughout the movie. I'm going to kill him. I can't kill him. He's just a child. It's, he's not the Antichrist. He is the Antichrist. Oh my God, how am I going to do this? It's, it's just that idea, whereas in, like I said, in the remake, he doesn't really have that moment. Like, he does cut his hair and finds the birthmark, but he's pretty fucking certain, like, right off the bat that, oh yeah, no, he is the Antichrist. Yeah. And I, I think that's doing it a disservice. I think that you need to have sort of the Gregory Peck type Robert Thorne in this to where, we all know what's going on. But yeah. We're following a, the you know the main character who is just so confused and in a whirlwind of emotion where it's like, he has no idea. And I think that's what makes this more effective.
1: Right. Especially considering this is weirdly is a franchise, which is so I um. don't
0: fucking know why, man. Right, because I know there was Damien Omen 2, which I have not seen. Which I've seen. He's like in a boarding school. And he's a teenager. He's a teenager. School. He goes on like fox hunts and stuff like that. And it's just it's so boring and Damien Omen 2 I'll tell you if you want to say like the Omen ripped off The Exorcist but Damien Omen 2 ripped off The Exorcist too by just making it so fucking boring and bland. Yeah. the Third and one's fun.
1: The third one's interesting yeah where he plays he's basically taking on his father's job of being an ambassador mm-hmm. Sam Neill Sam Neill on a very early performance. Yeah and he's really good. Yes. He's really good. Really I think good. he makes what could be just a whatever movie.
0: He makes what could be what, without Sam Neill I'd, I'd say that movie would probably fucking suck. But yeah. I think Sam Neil just kind of carries it, takes it up a notch
1: because he weirdly has the same kind of effect of like Harvey Steven. Yeah,
0: hundred like, percent.
1: In terms of just like,
0: well, he's a fucking super smoking handsome young
1: Sam Neill. But also, he has that weird face where you're just like, I don't know, he could be very uh-huh.
0: evil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This right. this man is either the most beautiful man I've ever seen or this is the devil. Um, and then the horrible fourth one, right? It's like a direct to TV movie. Yeah, and it's forward. a little girl. Yeah. Like I think he's, she's either Damien's daughter. Or his cousin, or something like that. It makes, it's so fucking stupid.
1: And it still seems like, even in that third one, they were still trying to kind of like repeat the formula, like, oh, do we know he's actually Satan with like the, the woman who like falls in love with him and yeah. stuff like that. Like, oh, is it actually, is he actually the son of Satan? Like, yeah, to, we know he is. It's just like, right, yeah. We've seen
0: two movies before this Yes, that confirm it. Right, Clearly, he is Damien, the son of the devil.
1: And it just feels like, oh, we're just kind of spinning our wheels Mm -hmm. on these various different franchises as opposed to... Yeah, the original movie, just it feels like there's not much else you could really do with that idea that really could... Advance beyond what it is. I think it's it works perfectly for its time. It has I have some issues with. i the soft to final thoughts Sorry. in case you couldn't tell. Uh, um, I, I think it's a it's a pretty stellar movie despite some of the problems it may have had with some of the stuff that's of its time. I think it's a very interesting movie just about like uh, sort of patriarchal ignorance mm-hmm. and sort of like trying to keep that. Um, ability like no, I can't feel feelings. I'm a man. Right. I, I'm not supposed to feel feelings about death and all this other shit. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a, a very a, important politician. Right. I'm, I'm a man's man. All this right. stuff and how that really like guarding those feelings and even the truth from people uh, just bites you in the ass horribly. Sure. In this case, yeah. So even if you know as much as like I'm not a huge religious person, there's still just a fear of just like being unable to accept what reality is and how reality will just
0: uh, circle back around and bite you in the butt. So basically, just tell the truth for God's sakes. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Stay <laughs> off drugs. Tell the truth. Respect your mom. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I pretty much second most of what you said. I, I, I know I'm more favorable on this movie than you are, not to say that you don't love it. But I absolutely fucking love it. I think it's one of those just perfectly executed scary movies. Like, it's scary. It's inherently scary just the idea of what it could be and what the possibility if something like that is true then the possibility of like what else is going on what is now the plan what does this mean if the son of the devil is a real thing then that obviously means Christ is real and heaven and hell is real and you know there are consequences and nothing is you know everything's predetermined and everything like that just the idea of that is terrifying right that no matter what you do you're not in charge of your own fate really and uh yeah, fuck all that noise. But uh, yeah, I just think it's a great movie. Um, it's one of those that I'll watch every couple years. And you know, one thing, other thing too. Damien is such an inherently scary sounding name already. <laughs> like you obviously that's tied to this movie adds more to it. But even if it wasn't, Damien is just a scary sounding name. Damian. And what what like nickname do you give that kid? Just like, "Hey Damien." Yeah. "Hi Damien." "Hey da- hey Ian." I E N no, it's uh yeah, I just think it's a solid, one of the most solid uh like early horror movies, especially from the seventies. I, I I think the exorcist is scarier, but I think it's designed to be that way. Yeah, like, you know, obviously. But I think this is a better
2: movie.
1: But now Adam. It's time we get into our next feature, and what a feature to discuss. Dangerous men. Beep, beep, boop, beep.
2: <laughs> Believe that all the crimes have been committed by a lone assailant, there is a high probability that that assailant is a woman. Leave us alone. Dangerous Men. Guaranteed, it's like nothing you've seen before.
0: You fuckers have no idea. You have to watch Dangerous Men. <laughs>
1: yes, so, Dangerous Men. Uh, very interesting film. It came out in 2005, but, of course... The, the moment you see any still from this movie, you can tell this was not made in
2: 2005. There's no, there's no fucking No, way. no, no.
1: Because basically this was made by a man named John S. Rad, uh, who was an Iranian filmmaker who was trained as an architect, much like one of our favorites, Neil Breen. Yes. Oh, right. God. Um, God. What, what the fuck is wrong with architects? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's right with them. Yeah, that's, yeah there you well, go. What's
1: right with them is more important. Um, who uh, actually fled from the Iranian Revolution in 1979 and had been like working on Iranian films in between his Architect stuff, and then decided to actually make a film in America that would appeal to an American market clearly in, like, 1984. And he had screened a version of an 85, but for the next two decades kept working on and filming stuff, and then eventually put it out in 2005 uh, for a week-long run in five theaters, um, and then he passed away two years later in 2007. Mm-hmm. But... After all of that in around twenty fifteen, Draft House Films, who at that point especially was like very famous for like, let's get weird cult oddities like Miami Connection. Yeah, sure. And put them out in the mainstream instead of just mm-hmm. having exclusive to like midnight circuits. And Dangerous Men uh was released to the world in a more wide way in twenty fifteen and it's like a Tube TV mainstay. Right, which is how we watched it. We should point this mm-hmm. out that like uh, I was aware of this movie based on kinda of like that Draft House films yeah. like sect of film like oh man if you like Miami Connection you'll like this so I hadn't seen it and then we were doing one of our movie nights which we do even when we're not in the same room together right where we'll just be like hmm what's on like a streaming service where that we can watch and I saw that was playing on Tubi one of our favorite streaming services it's and that's right for like just the weirdest pure fucking shit fucking shit just pure garbage like just for full disclosure there were two dangerous
0: men's on Tubi currently <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, one of which is not the one we were referring yeah, to
0: yeah I, I, yeah right yeah, Tubi's the best, though. They got, like, you know, Amityville Werewolf and shit like that on there. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, like, a mainstay for, like,
1: terrible action films from all your favorites. Erotic thrillers. Erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm. Just weird shit. Um, and I decided, like, oh, how about we watch this? Because I knew nothing about it. That was even more in the dark than I was. Yeah, I knew and absolutely nothing. Tubi is kind of the best way to watch this movie. Yeah, Because with Tubi, it's free, and there are but there are ads... But you'll need the ad breaks just to, as we did when, like, when the ads came up, we were both just like, "So what's going on?"
0: Yeah, you, yeah, right. You need it because you got to give your brain time to like unglitch. Because you, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't stress enough to how fucking bewildering this movie is. It is fucking wild. Uh, it's seven, well, maybe not seven, but close to seven plots at one time main characters are introduced and they're taken off screen almost as almost just as fast um there's a rape revenge story going on. there's a biker gang there's cops there's the most awkward sex scenes like maybe ever and yet it's kind of the a masterpiece because of it it's it's very surreal in the way that it's plotted yeah
1: because it feels so weirdly like stream of consciousness in terms of just like oh 100 well yeah. like it, it's this free-flowing. Story of some sort that we originally originally we start off with like a couple who mm-hmm. well, not even that. Like the first scene we get, it's like a liquor store robbery. Well, no, even before that, it's like the guy goes up to his house,
0: yeah, right. You think he's breaking into this house, right?
1: And there's this woman lying on the bed, you're like, fully oh, no. Made up. Uh, oh, no, she's got right.
0: bright red lipstick on, right? But she's just laying, like, like, oh, she's sleeping, looks like her dead body, <laughs> yes. and the guy comes walks in, like starts grabbing her thighs. And she's, ah! And then, it's obviously, they know each other. And he instantly, like, mounts her. That doesn't work. Instantaneously, so she's just like, yeah, I'll go along with it. She's consensual. Yeah, she's to this. like, oh, cool. He's like, oh, my God. All right. <laughs> oh, he scared the hell out of me. Let's do it. <laughs> but, and then it goes to, like, a liquor store robbery. And then it's, you know, goes to this couple on a beach...
1: Right, after they meet up with her dad and get his blessing. Her dad, right, her who's dad. clearly
0: the same age as she is. <laughs> and he's
1: like, we want your blessing and your permission
0: <laughs> to yep. get here. And he's really into papas on chairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then we follow... I mean, I'm not, the, the reason we're don't doing it like this, because you guys need to understand, there's no way to just accurately talk about this movie as a whole item. It's, it's just so many different things. Yeah. You know, so we found, you know, this the couple goes to the beach and they're just sitting on a rock. These two bikers come and instantly like, oh, look at that. Oh, she's hot. Let's get them. And then the, the boyfriend beats one of the bikers, strangles one of the bikers to death. The other biker repeatedly stabs him. And the girl goes up to the and this is well a, mourns her boyfriend for about two, twenty seconds. Not even, not. Oh, fucking no, even. oh my god! Oh my god! Hey, wait a minute, Tiger! I want to go with you. Finally, I'm free. And she instantly decides, "Oh, I'm gonna like seduce this biker and then murder him." After
1: my fiance has been horribly murdered in front of me, within seconds she figured this plan out. From there, like, there's this elaborate sequence of seeing them like check in the motel like hey is there a place to eat there's the motel, motel restaurant. restaurant okay let's go over there and then they eat for a while at the motel restaurant yeah. then they go up to the room yeah and there's and the, she's taking a shower in the worst looking shower possible oh it's so gross
0: <laughs> and then he the the biker guy is all fat and bald with his, now in his tighty whiteies, like constantly grabbing at his crotch he's all turned on he's all keyed up he's like oh yeah baby yeah and she's like you sit there when i come to you you rub my knees and lick my belly button. And so he does that. Yeah. And he's like licking her belly button. He's going, oh, baby. Oh, you're making me. Oh, this is so hot. Oh. She then murders him with a knife that she was concealing in her asshole. <laughs> like in her butt cheeks. Yeah. There's a really bad shot of it there for like a second. A second. And then like cuts she the She like a steak and tucked you. in her ass. <laughs> And she stabs him like fucking ten times in his back. <laughs> and then she decides then after she kills him, oh, I'm going to do this to all men who deserve it. So then we follow this girl seducing, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. At first, she doesn't, actually, she doesn't really seduce anybody. Every guy she meets wants to rape her. Right. Every single one of them. Including John Cleese. Uh, not, not actual not, John, not Cleese. John Cleese. Not actually
1: John Cleese. Some guy who's just like, his, his name might as well be John without an H, Cheese.
0: John Geese. <laughs> John Geese. <laughs> but, I mean, she he picks her up because she's hitchhiking. She at, like instantly falls asleep in his truck. He then pulls a pistol out from the sun visor, which, okay. And he decides, I'm oh, going to hold her at gunpoint. And, oh, she wants it. Look at her. She's begging for it. He wakes her up. She then like tricks him into like, oh, take off your clothes and get on top of me. She grabs him by the balls. And, with like, at knife point. With at knife point, like I'm gonna cut him off. Get out of the car. Give me the keys. Take off your underwear. She leaves. We then follow this naked British man for like five to ten minutes, <laughs> dancing, uh, talking about how there's pricklies on his balls he like, oh my word, I can't believe I'm here. Oh what am I going to tell my family? <laughs> oh, maybe I'll tell them that I was robbed. Or I lost all my clothes gambling. Or now maybe. And it's like literally five minutes of him tucked behind like a dry bush telling us different reasons he might give his family why he's naked.
1: Right, and then after a certain point, like after that fucking van comes up and those guys just throw garbage oh, a hamburger at Right, her. so <laughs> then they cut back to her for a bit just but a little then, bit but yeah. then yeah then it cuts to like just a completely different storyline with like the her fiance's brother right. yeah, trying yeah. to solve the murder right that's been going and
0: then on. he he gets clued into
1: because like what adam described up to the british guy is like the first 20 minutes of this movie yeah like,
0: man yeah it's insane it's like insane. all of that happens in the first 20 minutes yeah and then like you said then we follow the cop now he's on like a, a almost like a revenge thing because he's trying right. to like find out who killed his brother after he was so carefree when he's kicking up his feet on the bed. Oh yeah, like, just uh, have a good old time being a little stinker. <laughs> so he figures out there's a head, of, this head of the biker gang is the son, somehow, of the biker that his brother strangled to death. Right. And his name is Black Pepper. He's like an albino, basically.
1: <laughs> with, with like a very like David Lee Roth. Oh, just hair. this long,
0: flowing, curly blonde hair. <laughs> and the weirdest facial hair, because it's like white Yes. And it's so odd. Well, he's really into, like, belly dancing. Because it's him and his old lady. Right, right.
1: But, but keep in mind, this is, like, near the end of the movie now that I'm subscribing. Because Black Pepper is, like, vaguely talked about. But doesn't show up until, like, ten minutes to the end of the
0: 10 movie. Ten minutes to the end of the movie.
1: Right, the main villain of our story. Yeah, the main
0: villain. And then... So, yeah, we're following the cop brother.
1: Right, but, like, the thing is, I, I don't know if it's that... Helpful to just describe this plot. No,
0: well, yeah, this, this let's put it is... this way. We meet the main villain in the last 10 minutes, then the hero changes from the cop to the captain in the last three. Who looks minutes, like Stanley. Who looks just like Stanley. Yeah, 100%. Now, yeah, we're not doing the movie service by describing it, you know, plot point by plot point,
1: but I don't know that there's any other way. <laughs> well, I just, like, that's the thing that's so fascinating about this movie is the fact that it's so stream of consciousness. It is just a ride. It is truly, like, people say sometimes, like, oh, you have to experience a film, and sometimes it's like, I oh, don't know, it's just watching no, a it. or whatever. This, is this truly is an experience, it's yeah. just like, and with the two B element of it, just to stop, just like, especially if you're, you gotta make sure you're with someone who's experienced Dangerous Men before to guide you. Right, and potentially, to, potentially. Yeah, to tell well, just yeah like, it's
0: like you're doing DMT. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing? Are you doing All right, okay? now listen, this is what's gonna happen. <laughs> you just lay down on the couch, just... Relax and go with it, okay? And you just listen to the, promise, the music, which... I promise you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. Oh, yeah, the music.
1: Right, because well, the big thing is John S. Sprad not only is the director and writer, writer. He's also producer, the and the composer, and the, the soundtrack for this, it's, it's one of those things where you complain a lot about constant music in movies.
0: Yeah, but this one is, like, the best. Right,
1: because it's just the... Most bizarre music. The weirdest shit I've ever heard. Including the main theme, which you really wanted to make our main theme I song. tried,
0: man. I tried to talk him into it. He, Thomas wouldn't do it.
1: And for copyright reasons, I don't want to like get sued by Draft House right. Films.
0: But you'll hear the theme in the trailer. Yes. Um, but in, in case you missed it, it's literally... <laughs> boop, 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 boop,
2: boop, boop, boop. Boop, 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 do 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 Boop, boop, boop,
0: boop, boop. Over and over and over and over. And then there's this sappy love song that is first sang by a woman.
2: Right. My love.
0: You know, kind of thing. And it's real it's kind of, it's not good, but it's like kind of sweet sounding or whatever. And then they come back to the same song like three scenes later. And it's a dude singing it now. And it is the worst singing voice. <laughs> My love. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? What? Oh, and she's writing the lyric... The, 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 the girl, shot when, like, that... When the guy version comes right, out. Right,
1: and she's, like, on the beach, and she's literally written... Written... The, of written the lyrics... open
0: to lines. the sea. <laughs> like, written <laughs> out in the <laughs> sand. In the sand. What the <laughs> fuck? Hey, what is this? Why? What the fuck is going on in this movie? That's the thing. Like, everybody who's listening to this has heard me, like, really get flabbergasted. Watch this, and you will be right there with me. Yeah. There's no... There's no explanation there's no rhyme or reason to kind of anything that unfolds on camera no uh the music choices are nonsensical the plot points and plot development and character development don't exist really you just got to go with it there's weird cutaways like you meet a a character he and then within five seconds he's on the phone with his girlfriend and then within the next five seconds they're naked doing it and you're supposed to care i think uh there's belly dancing there's weird like almost cunnilingus but not like it's just it's so fucking crazy oh tattoos change constantly yes constantly one guy like has a swats gun on his forehead and then next it's an iron cross and then it's a giant eagle and then it's a smaller eagle and then it's half there half gone anytime a gun is shot in this movie by the way too no muzzle flare no no anything uh, it's always the same noise, no matter the type of weapon it is. Anytime somebody gets punched, it's the same fucking like. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like every I think there's character. the fight
1: scene at the end with like Black Pepper and the the lead guy, where it's just like fifteen times through just like bah,
0: bah, 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 bah. <laughs> he's just round, he's like right crossing him over and over. <laughs> just, bah, 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 bah. It's like you're spamming a move in Tekken. And Black Pepper, by the way, kicks the living shit out of the main guy Just gets him out of the movie for like the, last, for like the last scene. For the rest of the movie.
1: The last scene after that just does not so have the So then becomes
0: character. Stan Lee. Like, chasing him. Takes his coat off, puts it on. Takes his coat off, puts it on. Take... <laughs> and then...
1: Well, Black Pepper's, like, running away, like, up the mountain. And it's just, like very, like, very slowly getting away.
0: So Black Pepper... Okay, and I gotta tell this plot point. Black Pepper, in the, in the last, like three minutes of the movie. Spoilers for... Spoilers. <laughs> Ends up at this woman's house. She's sitting there like knitting an afghan or whatever. And he gets in the house and she's like, who's there? And he's like, oh man, I think she's fucking blind. She then pulls like a Nazi fucking pistol. Right, like, a Luger. Luger Circuit like nineteen forty. Out from under the thing she's sewing. It just starts randomly firing it into her <laughs> house. <laughs> <laughs> so Black Pepper sneaks up on yeah, her and Black
1: Pepper's got like a steak knife in his hand yeah he's got a giant steak knife
0: Yeah, I don't know where he got it from maybe in her house he sneaks up somehow comes up from behind her takes her down implications are there that he's going to sexually assault her because that happens
2: constantly in yeah scene. triggering
1: warnings. Yeah, it's like oh, a lot gosh, of sexual Jesus. assault stuff
0: Stanley then gets in the gets in the door puts the gun to his head freeze you're under arrest boom credits <laughs>
2: <laughs> freeze frame credits Boop, 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 boop. What? Right. Like, what, what, what
0: the fuck? It's, it's literally like, like, dude.
1: <laughs> he took off his glasses so you know he's serious.
0: Like, yeah, I'm going to throw them. It's like, <laughs> I got to imagine, like, Woodstock in the 60s where, like, don't take the brown acid. Somebody took that acid and wrote this movie, made this movie. Like, John Radd, which, by the way, Guys, Thomas and I watched this interview last night. There's an interview on YouTube from... Jack E. Jet.
1: Right, Circo 2005, when he's promoting his week-long run I, Yeah, movie. it's a, it's
0: a very, um, it's a queer-based interview show. I think even the network is it's, like queer something. Well, uh, the show I believe is called like Queer Bait or whatever with Jack E. Junk. Yeah, John, which with... is really a odd title. And he's clearly Jack e. Jet, or whatever his name is, you know, Frank Trousers, I don't remember is really aggressively, like, hitting on John Radd. Who John wants that? <laughs> looks like a goddamn magician. <laughs> I mean, he's super thin. He's got the horribly dyed black mustache and goatee. Like, it looks like the classic, like, when you've seen drawings of the devil. Yes. Like, where he's got, like, the goatee and beard and mustache. They it's that goatee it would be
1: attractive. 100%. <laughs> and
0: then... Jackie Jack, literally says in, like, the middle of the interview, I'd like to make out with you. And John Rand's like, uh, no. Oh, and
1: by the way, in the middle of the Sandra Bernhardt is also Sandra the other Sandra there.
0: And Sandra Bernhardt is doing, trying really hard to, like, talk to him to get anything out of him. She's like, so would you prefer to call yourself a filmmaker or a movie maker or a director? And John Rand just goes, what's the difference? I don't understand. And you're like, what? I'm also a composer. What type of music do you like? Do you like it? <laughs> rock she's like yeah yeah you look like a rock and roll guy no he doesn't and then
1: the best thing is that they, they show the trailer they show they the
0: trailer and they're all clapping and then for some reason Jackie Jets goes you got a lot of ear hair which he does he has oh, very it's visible horrible. ear hair coming out it's horrible oh god I thought like his ears were discolored no he has that long of like gray and black ear hair coming out that it makes his earlobes look like they're gray it's so fucking bizarre and 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 then, like he's surrounded by like there's a like a black baby doll behind him. <laughs> there's a male nude mannequin, um, and then they like cut to commercial or whatever, and they're like, okay, and we're back with John Red, and there's like a like a dozen chicks in in lingerie just standing around him and behind him now.
1: Right. This was an edited video. I assume like this was what like some one hour program where John Red was like there for most of the thing. But, like, just the weird dissolves. And we're back. But
0: it works perfect. It's kind of a perfect interview. It's it's a perfect interview to to go with Dangerous Men. Because everything, like, how disjointed that interview is, and how the weirdest shit just happens, (laughs) and there's so much sexual aggression. It's literally, like, a six-minute version of Dangerous Men. It's a perfect companion piece. If you want to watch... You should make that
1: the pre-show for Dangerous Men. Watch that interview.
0: I would do it after.
1: Or right, that's true. Yeah, the the the, the mints after yeah. the interview.
0: And you'll totally get it. You'll be like, oh yeah, of course this is the guy who made the Dangerous Men. Right. It makes so much sense. Right. It's the best thing I've ever seen, I think. I I don't know. I it's so mind numbingly crazy. Like we went on a fucking hell of a ride last night as far as movies. We did Dangerous Men, we watched that interview. Then we watched The Boy Next Door Which with Jennifer Lopez. we're definitely doing at some point in the future. Save, save highly, your takes. I'm not saying it. Just highly recommend. 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, but, like, I woke up this morning and my brain no work no more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but to circle back to the actual movie Dangerous Man, I think, what do you think separates this from the other? Because we've talked about plenty of, like, so bad they're good kind of movies.
0: Well, it's exactly the type of movie we love. Right. Where it's, it's someone from a foreign country... Who loves film? Loves American film, you know, sort of Western type movies. Comes in, and is like, I'm gonna make a movie for American audiences. I'm gonna make my American movie, and they have no idea, like the culture or anything. They they just they only know what they've seen in like old movies, right? Like old shitty westerns and stuff like that. And so they come and make this movie, and it's so earnest, and you can tell he's really trying to make something here, right? It doesn't feel like. Like sort of like a bird Birdemic 2 or what's his fucking name? Tommy, whatever. so? Tommy was so later mo- movies where they're kind of in on it or pretend like they're in on it. Right. John Rad thinks he made something rad. Like he really does. He thinks he made a fucking kick-ass movie. Yeah. You can tell in that interview. Like even he's super fucking proud of it. Like he, he, he thinks he made just a really good action thriller. And he didn't but the fact that he thinks he did and he it it's just makes it so much more endearing and fun where 100% effort was given into making this.
1: Right, but I think what separates this from some of the other ones we've done is like with some of these other bad movies there's at least the resemblance vaguely of like a plot structure that seems Oh yeah, no, this has none. No, this has Right, none. no, but that's what's so fascinating I think that makes it so original. It's just like it has this weird spark of the moment. Like it feels like a movie that was shot in sequence yeah. and that sequence was just like oh, I know, I have a vague idea of like, um, like... And
0: over 10 years. And over, yeah. Because like clothing style changes cars change. Particularly any of the
1: stuff with, like, the police feels like it was shot, like, in 95 as opposed to 85. Yeah,
0: but then, like, you'll get, like, a 95-era police car, but then there'll be scenes where it's, like, 1978 cop cars. Right. And you're like, what? And and it's the same scene. It'll show those cop cars coming down the street. And, And, like, with an edit. Yeah, and they they changed it to the modern ones. (laughs) It makes no fucking sense. But I, I agree with you. I think that's kind of what makes this such a gem there's no clear linear plot here like at all the closest one you get is sort of the the you know miss 45 lady vengeance i spit on your grave type story and
1: even that whole plot ends with just like somebody like oh we'll look they, into they her looking her. at file photos and then they
0: arrest her and it's over right that's it yeah and and in the, in the meantime she also picks up a prostitute and you know just like, it's like, hey, like hey what's how, the big yeah, idea how do i become a lady of the night which, by the way, I uh, said it last night, and I will stick with it. That would be my '80s cock rock band name, <laughs> "Ladies of the Night." All dudes, yeah, all, all yeah, of course, all made up and everything. But it's weird, like so. She pricks up the, you know, the prostitute, and the prostitute gets naked, and she's like, "What are you doing?" So she puts her clothes back on, and then has a mental breakdown. <laughs> the prostitute just starts sobbing, sobbing. So then you kind of get the idea that, oh, okay, she's going to become, like, a prostitute to kill Johns. Like, I get it. Very next scene is her driving in her car by, like, a Dairy Queen. And, like, your dad from the 1970s is sitting there, like, hey. And then she kills him. You see a silhouette. It's great. And then, like, the one guy that picks her up and instantly, like, takes her to a secluded area. Like, yeah, now you're going to pay me back for the ride. She kills him and pushes the car off a cliff. (laughs)
1: It is just like pure insanity. It's insanity. Or even like 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 we said earlier, there's like some sexual assault stuff that's uncomfortable. But at the same time, there's also just a baffling. I will say filmmaking this filmmaking style. I too.
0: will say this: there is a lot of sexual assault stuff. There's always implied rape, like like someone's going to try to rape her. Someone's going right. It never actually happens. There's no. a lot of like. And grabbing and I'm gonna you know get you baby
1: and just the two actors who awkwardly don't know what to do it's just
0: like yeah, 100%. What, what they would assume sexual assault would be the one who at the biker bar went to the backyard like left through the back door to a full
1: beach right they go from like a fucking Damon Busters <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. to like the door outside <laughs> the David to the Busters shot. like a uh, like a, you know a shitty Applebee's right in the 1980s like before they put up all the flair like
1: the thing is with this movie there is something new around every corner to discover with every watch particularly who we really noticed at that in that scene mm-hmm. one of the bikers because all the other bikers just like hey oh look labels. how hot this
0: girl is oh man she's and so hot they cut hot. to one guy they cut to one guy who leans directly like his whole face into the camera and the subtitle says she's so hot <laughs> i kid you not i'm going to do an impersonation and it's pretty damn close to exactly how it sounds
2: she's hot <laughs>
0: It's the worst dubbing. It's the worst dubbing I've ever heard. We're more convinced that it's I actually think it's, John S. I Rad. think that's John Radd's voice.
1: Based on, based
0: on seeing that interview. Which yeah. Is like, it, that sounds like it. It sounds like he did it and then deepened it. <laughs> sure <huh>? <laughs> Um. Oh, <laughs> uh, we also got to forget in that bar, our hero is like ordering beers and tipping the bartender a hundred bucks each time to get information.
1: This is your second beer in $300.
0: And they're all half full when he's going to back... <laughs> And our hero's name is Clint Westwood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby. And he's got Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. That's so fucking stupid. This, this
1: movie, yeah. It's just, it's... It, it's the best. We apologize if you were very confused by this, but it accurately, so it accurately captures... But yeah, I'm still confused by it. Right. Like, it's, it's the thing, it, it, uh, we could watch it hundreds of more times, which we probably will in our lifetimes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm gonna. I, well, my goal is to show this to people. Like, it's one of those movies. <laughs> yes. Where you're like, oh God, I'm so glad I have this. Now I can't wait to show somebody. You know, there's a few like that. Like, a lot of people do it with The Room. I'm not one of those. But like... You know, Miami Connection, Samurai Cop, like Guy from Harlem, Jack and Julia, Dangerous Men is right there. Yeah. It's fucking insane. And it's a terrible, terrible film. It's horribly constructed, horribly acted, horribly edited. It looks terrible. The sound is all over the fucking map. Uh, Yet in its pure just unadulterated ineptness it's perfect yeah i mean
1: great final thoughts i assume you have yeah nothing much else to say i mean I, i i genuinely agree this is definitely one of those great discovery movies where you just like in old times if this has been around for like 80s video store culture yeah. It would have been the perfect movie for that, which is like, what the fuck, Dangerous Man it looks kind of cool. We've had like some cover that would have had like...
0: A guy with a gun out and like a chick in a bikini. Right,
1: yeah, you know? basically. Maybe it would have been Black Pepper with the gun out. <laughs> that would be my or the, choice. Or the, or the cop in the denim outfit. <laughs> or something like that. But um, it despite not having... That, it also, because it was like filmed and didn't come out until 2005 and then didn't get widely released until 2015, it feels like it's just like, this weird artifact of another time. Yeah. Just, like, we unearthed this. And it's just, like, it's so fascinating and so weirdly stream of consciousness. It's it's definitely one we would recommend in terms of, just like, just watch. And even if you had heard our conversation, it still won't prepare you for this movie.
0: No. 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 This would be one, like, if we can find it, like, we could buy it, technically, for ten bucks. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if we could find one without ads, this would be another one, like, for our patrons, to have somebody on and do a commentary with. Um, Maybe. Like yeah. it could, it would be perfect right. for this.
1: Or if we were to ever, if this show ever becomes successful enough to where we could host a screening of something. It would be this. It would be
0: this. I, I would do this, Miami Connection, and Petey Wheatstraw I think would be the three, a triple feature. A triple feature. Perfect. Well actually no, probably not Petey Wheatstraw but Miami Connection, this, and Samurai Cop I think would be a brilliant triple feature.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So stupid. So stupid. <laughs> so stupid. But, but so, so perfect. So perfect, yes. Kind of like our show. I perfect's a real stretch. (laughs) Masterwork is a better one. Yeah, right. Right.
1: Masterpiece. Right, right. Well, now it's time we do our weekly segment, The Double Redo, where uh, every week Adam and I uh, decide on, you know, programming the best and worst possible double feature related to the topic at hand. Mm -hmm. In this case, uh, we, you know, with our um, uh, double review, as we've been calling it for this, um, we are... uh, Doing, uh, you know, two that are, like, that you love so much, mm-hmm. I have recommended. Um, and two that are from my bad choices. Right. You have yours. Uh, choices for that. So I'll go first with uh, the two good choices I have from your top rated films. Um, I have one from the 1960s, 1969. Great classic film. Butch casting and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Uh, which is, if you don't know, it's based on the true story of Butch Casting and it where actual people, like near the end of the Western era, yeah. who were like famous for Robin banks and being outward criminals and stuff like that. Starring Robert Redford and uh, oh, Paul Newman. Yeah, oh, and yeah. it's a stellar movie, perfectly written by uh, William Goldman, one of my favorite screenplays in general. Just so many, I agree. like has one of my favorite lines ever. Of just like, I, I'm gonna kind of butcher the line, but basically just like um everyone's uh, I'm seeing things clearly everyone else is wearing bifocals yeah yeah. like such a great line um, it just is basically about like there are many westerns that are about kind of like that end of the western era and that's a perfect example of like these two outlaws who are just trying to not just get run away from the law but just time in general mm-hmm. they're like fossils that just need to be like completely destroyed they can't really like live in a modern changing world at this point point. Um, and the other good one I have is a more recent film but one that Adam also exposed me to at a movie night I thought was pretty stellar I have Session 9 Hell yeah which is a horror movie basically about these guys who are uh, have been hired to get rid of this mold in this abandoned asbestos asbestos in this abandoned sanitarium Mm -hmm. Um, and they uh, it's uh, a group that you know is mostly just like kind of like fuck ups and weirdos and stuff like that but one of them has had some serious like marital problems and seems to be exhibiting some less than stable tendencies and it's a movie that's like, oh, is this place haunted or is this guy a murderer? And the answer is, uh, maybe Column A, Column B. Yeah. Who knows, maybe. Um, and it's a pretty stellar little movie. Um, great sort of like character-focused horror movie that is like very unnerving.
0: Yeah, it's, it's,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. all well, right. Well, we'll like, like, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and then the two bad I have, um, one... Uh, is one we've really wanted to do on the show because it's so fascinating. It's uh, the Chuck Norris vehicle Top Dog, which is, like, when you look at, like, the post for this movie, it's about half of what the movie is, basically, where it's Chuck Norris teamed up with a dog. And it's like, oh, it's like Turner and Hooch or whatever. It's going to be, like, some silly comedy. And it's a lot of that. But then the other half of it is the villains they have to fight, him and this cute dog, are white supremacists? Terrorists? (laughs) We're planning to like blow up a school i believe uh-huh. and it's such a bizarre movie that i'm very stunned exists to any degree but it's at least so fascinating i would want to talk about it on the show at some point point. and then to a, a similar degree i have another one called branded i don't know if you have any idea what this movie is it came out like 2012 and it's basically about like this world where um advertisements come to life and are like part of this weird like Alien conspiracy theory thing that, like, basically aliens have come down and have used advertising to literally like destroy people's minds. And there's this whole conspiracy involving like cows and
0: sacrifices
1: and shit like that. Oh,
0: I know, I know of it, right? I've never fucking seen it. This movie's insane.
1: This is one of those weird, I think it's another example of a movie that was just like made at like by some foreign distribution company. And, like, Max Fonsito's in it. And he, it's one of those classic, like, he's in the movie, but they only cut to him every so often without any of the other actors. So it's like, oh, you clearly shot this stuff mm-hmm. on some other day. It's a bizarre, odd, terrible movie that would also be interesting to discuss for the show. Because it's been about a decade since I've seen it. But just certain things live in my memory. And it's just, like, it's astonishing that this exists, quite frankly. It's a very weird movie.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of that one. But now, I want to watch it. Maybe we'll try to do that while you're here this week. We'll see if we can find (laughs) it. Just check it out. (laughs) Session 9. Yeah, Session 9 is one that I've always kind of loved ever since I saw it. Especially the main performance, I think, is just fucking stellar. It's Mm -hmm. one of those, like, nobody knows about performances in horror. Yeah. And it's great. Plus, it has the greatest single fuck you in movie history. From Mr. David Caruso. David Caruso, man. Zoom in. Fuck you. (laughs) Yes. Hi! Hi! Um but, but it's it's definitely unnerving. It's one of those that sticks with you, man. Like that's why I don't watch it often. I've seen it, you know, once every couple years. But it's like one of those after you watch it, you gotta take a shower. You're like, and even when we
1: watched it during the movie night, there was a point where we just we usually like talk through these movies pretty much. Yeah, we shut the fuck up yeah, several for, times. I think it was a solid like
0: thirty minutes
1: near the end of the movie. It was like thirty six minutes we clocked we didn't it. Like
0: we didn't talk and say a word. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, we always talk for a little bit, and it was literally a solid hour of going, holy fuck, that movie, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Butch casting and Sundance Kid, classic. Perfect ending, as well. Yes. Um, the fact that there's is like a travesty, they did not need that. I,
1: I was aware that it existed, but, yeah. but isn't it actually a prequel it's the early years?
0: Yeah, but you, you don't need that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that movie ends perfect. It, it's a great sort of just one off it should be a one off just solid fucking Western. And uh, I'm sorry, what was your other bad one? Uh, top Dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the thing is too, it's not even like a police dog. No. It's like the shaggy like the shaggy dog from the Tim Allen horrible movie. Yes. It's one of those dogs. Uh, yeah, but they're <laughs> like Nazis. Like the fuck the movie is odd. It's this movie where there's like
1: white supremacists and then like yeah. it'll cut to so, like there's a montage where like a makeover montage where Chuck Norris is like getting dressed in different clothes and the dog reaction shots like
0: yeah Ooh. yeah
2: cuts. like we will destroy yeah. that school.
0: <laughs> this school is not pure. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. It, that movie's out of control. Ridiculous. We yeah. do definitely have to cover that as well. Yes. Um. And quickly to get to mine, I have one that I I, had, I watched for the show for the first time. Um. And it's still one of my favorite movies. Um, I think it's my favorite movie that I've discovered for the show still. It's still one of those that I've only seen it once. And I really want to watch it again. But I know i got to clear my night because I'm going to have feels. Uh, I have Moonlight, you know, starring Mahershala Ali. Which he was, did he, he was nominated. He, w- he, he won. He won for this.
1: It won for that and screenplay and, of course, Best Picture after yeah. a snafu. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which is crazy that he, I mean, and he's in it for what? Maybe 15, 20 minutes? He's only in the first third of the movie, yeah. And he's fucking so good in it. That scene where the kid confronts him about dealing drugs, it's like, It's a beautiful fucking movie. Just, it's a wonderful coming of age type of story. um, Just filled with tragedy. Um, What I would imagine, you know, sort of being afraid of your own sexuality and, and sure about it. And especially, I, I would imagine, I've heard, I don't know, I can't really speak on it too much, but being, like, sort of young and black and queer, i know it's very scary, dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, it just rocks you to the core, though. It's one of those where it's like, you are going to feel a lot of things watching that movie. Yeah. Um, my other one is, uh, you know, came out last year. Soderbergh. Soderbergh! Uh, no sudden move. Uh, you know, it's this sort of really cool, slick, sort of noir take on a heist thing. Just populated with really interesting, diverse, weird characters. Um, amazing cast. Um, fucking one of the best casts. Don Cito um, Benito del Toro. Don Chido Benito del Toro. Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin, uh, David Harbour. Brent, fat Brendan Fraser. Fat Brendan Fraser. Matt Damon. Um, it's just, the cast is amazing in this movie. Yeah. And everybody is on. Like, there's not one weak performance in the bunch. Everybody's giving a shit. Um, especially Don Cheadle. It might be my favorite Don Cheadle's ever been. Yeah. Uh, he's absolutely fucking great man. So is Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser plays, like, a heavy. And he's terrifying. Like, but it's it's just a solid movie. Came out on HBO Max to, like, literally, basically no fanfare to yeah. it. Like, there was a couple trailers released before it came out, and then it was just out. And uh, it's one of those that a lot of people missed. Uh, but anybody I know who has watched it loves it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's not really a lot of. It was okay. It's either you really love it. And I, I do know a couple people who did, had a problem with the pacing. Cause mm-hmm. there, I could see there being pacing issues, or some people think there is, but I think it moves by brisk. I think everything is there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no wasted film. That's the one thing about Soderbergh that we've talked about. It's like that guy is as precise as precise can be. And uh, he knows exactly what he's doing, he knows how to fucking put a camera. Man, he's, it's just kind of great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the bad, I have two movies that are very different, um, you know, as far as genre. But I think they're both trying to achieve the same thing and both fail miserably. They're both trying to be super controversial. And uh, I have I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, the Adam Sandler, Kevin Smith movie. Well, that's not, not Smith. Oh, yeah, Kevin James. Yeah, Sorry. Kevin James. Whatever, well, might as well be Kevin Smith. Look, hey, hold, all fat people don't look alike. <laughs> right. As is displayed. Yeah, right. right, sure. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just... They're trying so hard to be, like, allies to the LGBTQ community. And it just comes across so demeaning and offensive and homophobic. And it's just... It's one of the most unfunny things to me. I mean, and I've seen, you know, Jack and Jill and fucking That's My Boy and these new Adam Sandler movies that are terrible. I think this was the really big start of the downfall of him, where just he was just doing garbage comedies. And this one is right up there with the worst. It's so gross and offensive and just treats the LGBTQ community like they're all so flamboyant and out there and every stereotype is what they are and you, you just accept it. And it's just... it's. Just a gross mishandling of the subject matter. And then uh, for my other one, I have from horror auteur Rob Zombie, I have 31. You know, I love The Devil's Rejects. I think it's fucking, like, pretty perfect. I like House of a Thousand Corpses for what it is. This weird, crazy, manic, like, oddball movie. Um, 31 tries to be both of those things. It tries to mix the two, and it mm-hmm. fails spectacularly. It is gross and offensive just to be gross and offensive. How many times do you have to have someone say fuck in a movie? Like, I don't mind... And we're fuckers who say fuck all the time. I say fuck all the fucking time. I don't fucking care. I like the word fuck. I don't mind when fuck is said in movies. Like, even in Tarantino movies where it's like 462 times the word fuck was uttered. But there's a genuine, like, usually a genuine intelligent sentence or reason for it in those movies. Like, some characters swear... Yeah, I get it, but th- it's used to sometimes, you know, push a plot forward or have a point. Or immerse you in who that character is. Right, is exactly. Degree, yeah. Whereas in 31, it's just, to do it, it's dialogue padding, basically. And just gross offensive jokes, uh, like the cake frosting joke, is so disgusting. And no place in the movie. I don't mind dirty, gross jokes. But it's like, why, why is this in this movie? Richard Brake is quite good in it. I like Richard mm-hmm. Brake. He's, he's a real menacing performance in it and everything, but they give him some of the stupidest dialogue ever. The opening mo- of the movie, in hell, everybody loves popcorn. What the fuck does that, what are we talking about here? And just all this rape stuff and sexual applied sexual assault, again, to be edgy. And it just, it doesn't work. It falls miserably flat.
1: Well, yeah, um, obviously we've seen Moonlight for the show. Uh-huh. We talked about it on an episode from a while ago. One of my favorite episodes, honestly, we've done of the show with the yeah, uh, where we covered that in Driving Miss Daisy. Two kind of, like, weirdly appropriate Best Picture winners to talk about mm-hmm. in the same episode. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. seller movie, totally love it. No Sudden Move, I thought, was great, for sure. Um, especially so weird that Soderbergh did that in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And it doesn't feel it at all. Like, it's so, like no. I said, in the 50s era, it doesn't. And it's it has, like, so many other great characters we even mentioned, like uh, John Hamm. Is so good, like one of the better uses of John Hamm in a movie. In a bit, um, the kid who I forgot from uh, the fucking Honey, uh, from Honey and the, the A Quiet Place, the boy Noah Jupe, the yeah. place like the little it kid. He's really stellar. Julia Fox also pops up. Oh yeah, in there. There's a lot of interesting. uh the the one filmmaker I for, I forgot her name who did uh, She Dies Tomorrow and stuff like that. Really good. There's a lot of like it's a great ensemble cast and the best thing I saw I think it was Matt Singer on Letterboxd said this feels like this is like the fifth novel in a series about Don Cheadle's character and this makes me want to go back and read like the previous novels like all the way down you get so much of like there's like a history behind that guy Bill Duke oh fuck with Bill Dick ships <laughs> that's so cool. fuck. Bill Duke is the ultimate at this point guy just like just pop him in for like yeah, five I'll minutes like hell yeah. yeah yeah hell yeah love Bill Duke director of Sister Act 2 Bill Duke <laughs> Which is... Ins- that dude's directorial career is fascinating. He's out of control. <laughs> He's great. Right. Wonderful. And then, um, for your two-bad... I Have Not You, and Larry is one of those where, like, obviously... I think before that, M. Sandler had made plenty of bad movies. Mm-hmm. But the problem with this one specifically is... It's, like, such a... I want to have my cake and eat 2 movie Where it's like, oh, hey, we want to um, try and be somewhat positive. Because the premise sounds inherently interesting. Like, at that time... Where it's like, oh, if you have some kind of like, uh, cause civil union, civil union, because like the whole that Kevin James's wife had passed away, yeah, and he has his kids. It's like I might lose my insurance and all this other stuff. So if I have a civil union, I might be able to like keep this. And so Adam Sandler, who's like, like oh, I'm a fucking horn dog, I'm, I'm a playboy, look how sexy I, I fuck like ladies all the time. Like it's like, like, fine, I guess we'll check up together. And It's interesting that was originally written out, um, and it's credited one of the screenwriters is Alexander Payne who had, you know, done, like, election and, like, much smarter comedies. And you could see, like, there would have been a version of that movie that would have been maybe more thoughtful and interesting, but they took his script and just turned it into this movie that is like, oh, hey, we're allies to the, you know, gay people, we love them so much, but then also they'll have David Spade show up in drag yeah. and do, like, a terrible stereotype. So I think that's the thing, is, like, it keeps bouncing between those There's two.
0: There's a drop the soap moment. Yep. I mean, With, like,
1: if Ving Rains, that's his whole yeah. thing. It's like, oh, he got out of prison, he's a firefighter now. And it's like, oh, no, was he going to, like, fuck us and shower, shower us, and all this other yeah. shit? It's just like, yeah, it's it's really terrible. Cause I completely get that. It. Obviously, it's one of the movies I have on my box. It's like, a half star. Yeah. Along with 31, which 31 is, like, this weird idea where, like, I have grown to at least kind of respect zombies' choices as a director, even if I don't love all of them. Like, Halloween 2 has gone from a movie where, like, I loathed it the first time to, like, well, this is at least much more interesting and... Odd compared to, like, some of these lesser Halloween sequels and shit like that. 31 feels like a weird bankruptcy where, like, The Devil's Rejects and House of Thousand Corpses were clearly inspired by, like, older Grindhouse movies, but had his distinctive style. Mm-hmm. And this is like, oh, hey, I have, like, nothing left in the tank. Yeah. So I'm just going to do this, like, really poorly put together movie where, like, the all the stuff with the clowns and the chainsaws, it just feels like this, this might have worked as, like, a Halloween Horror Nights house, but stretching it out yeah. to a movie yeah. just doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it's really terrible.
0: I agree. Uh, you know, and then we didn't even touch on it, but then like Three from Hell, that followed it. It's like, it, oh God, dude, just stop. Stop. You take a break with Rob Zombie. Well, now he's doing that Monsters movie, which I'm at least curious I'm about. I'm curious about. I'm very curious. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think Rob Zombie's going to make a hard R Monsters movie. I highly doubt it. But... I mean, I don't
1: know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. <laughs> Uh, but let's go ahead and just repeat our choices uh, for everybody out there in case you missed them. Uh, my two good ones were Butch Casting the Sundance Kid and Session 9. And then my two bad were Branded and Top Dog.
0: And my two good were Moonlight and No Sudden Move. And my bad were, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and 31.
1: Yes, and uh, we're going to be uh, heading out here uh, you know, as we uh, get to the end. we we'll stay tuned, though, because we have our choices for... Uh, uh, next time uh, for next week's episode uh, but we have some people that we uh, do want to thank as we always do like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music in our show listen more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com and uh, thanks to uh, Christian Thor Lally for the artwork for our show as we're uh, wearing t-shirts hey. with his artwork that are no longer available because we're not part of ESO So, yeah. um, my love <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, definitely uh, go ahead and uh, follow him at night of water. That's night with a K underscore of underscore water uh, on Twitter, where you can find the link tree to all his great artwork. And of course, we also want to thank our uh, Patreon supporters, patreoncom slash pod For just oh, one dollar a month, you get bonus podcasts, and you also get to vote for movies we cover for the show. And you know, we're while we're up here together, we're recording things like obviously this video version. Yes. That's mostly unedited. Hey uh so you'll get to see all of our shenanigans uh as we're on the screen together yes and we there was some bonus stuff that you listening on the main feed didn't even get a chance to hear and, and it's really fucking good really great just yeah, stuff, like, really it was good. so worth that dollar that you it for all the great um you know the second city style improv that we did.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just perfect wonderful stuff yes anding all the yes, over the place all over the place <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, we'll also be recording some other stuff that we'll have, uh, in the future. Uh, they'll just be the two of us together. hmm Stay, you know, like maybe a new, uh, On the Edge of Elements coming. Oh, well, I think by the time this has come out, you will, the Batman would have already been out for a couple weeks. You would have heard our On the Edge of Elements. Oh,
0: episode. that's true. It's my yeah. bad.
1: Right. But that's there. It's and there. We, we recorded it. It's there. Together. Yep. Uh, we haven't recorded as of this taping. <laughs> And we haven't seen yeah. the movie yet, so it'll be interesting to go back to that. But also maybe an audio commentary. Uh, oh, and stuff, maybe so you know who knows. Yes. Know. yes, yes. And um, you know, for uh, more of our antics, uh, you can uh, follow us at dedbpod on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, you can also submit feedback to us doubleagedoublebill at gmail.com, all spelled out. And uh, for my stuff, follow me at not the Who's Tommy on Twitter. Instagram and Letterboxd. I also do some writing at Mariani and film
0: cred.com. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Atom or Adam. That's A T O M underscore or underscore A D A M. Or you can find me on Letterboxd at Schwanson, That's S C H W A N D T S O N.
1: Yes. And uh, for more of our antics, uh, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms out there. If you're listening on the Talk Film Society Network, why not uh, go ahead and listen to all the other great shows on there, or dig into our Podbean main feed for like about a hundred or so episodes we did before we joined uh, Talk Home Society. And nothing else. If uh, you can't, uh, you know, subscribe to us on the Patreon for the dollar. It's cool. The completely free way to help us out is to rate, review, or share the show around because it gets us more visibility out
0: there. Yeah, and no, we really do appreciate anybody who's done it. I mean, it does help. But I do just want to say. Fuck you, Christian Alvarez. Go fuck yourself. Yes, loyal patron, friend of the show, go. good guy. Yeah, piece of shit. Go fuck himself. Yeah. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> uh, and you
1: know what? Just before we even do our picking, I yeah. just want to say, obviously, 200 episodes. Mm-hmm. It is an achievement, despite what other people may say. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. It's almost four fucking years. Yeah, almost four years, so we're coming up on that four-year anniversary show, um, and we're here, this is really, it's the first time we've been
0: in the same room together, and you've said many times it feels kind of surreal. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, you've been here for, this going on the third night. Yes. And uh, I don't think it's really clicked yet. Uh, I mean, it, obviously it has. We're sitting here recording together. But there's watched, video evidence. We've then. watched movies. We got fucking drunk as monkeys Saturday night for your birthday. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's another reason I was here it was my birthday. Night. It's different but at the same time it feels like old hat. You know, yeah, we've never been in the same room together but we've talked every week for almost 4 years. Yeah. You know, and a little bit before that, you know, doing other things. And so yeah, you being in like in the room is strange a little bit but it's doesn't it's the same at the same. You know what I'm saying? Like we're still talking. There's a physical form. There's a physical form right, instead yeah. of just a little fucking face. You know, or just most of the time, no face, just a voice. Right. So, I mean, it's like the ghost materialized, the
2: disembodied voice. I like suppose, Anna. yeah,
1: but it's, it's been an interesting ride for 200 yeah. episodes, and yeah. we continue, you know, we want to do as many as we can. No, yeah, that's it, that man. This is, oh, oh. It's the last one. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah, see you guys. <laughs> 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 uh, but But no, it's been genuinely great. Dude, this podcast came together in a weird clinch when... Yeah, real quick. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing that we've kept it up as long as we have, but
0: I've enjoyed mostly every second of it. Yeah, me too, for sure. I mean, it's helped, you know, especially during quarantine and, you know, depressing dark times that we all go through. This always is like kind of the light at the end of the tunnel every week, at least with all the shit that's going on either in our personal lives or in the world or something. We get to shut all that off for, you know, an hour to an hour and a half every week. So, and I hope it helps you guys for that hour, hour and a half too. Because really, yeah, we do it as much for you as we do for us too. Right. So.
1: But we've also like, I think it's really helped like talk to each other, especially like after the show and other stuff like that. We've become very good friends
0: through this. Mm. No. Not really. I don't, at least I don't, I'll never, Mm. I'll never see it that way. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, so you got to ride to the airport, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and my flight's off for another few days.
0: Start walking. <laughs> I, if you, I if you look at it, it says it'll take 13 hours to walk there. So, start hitting them bricks, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. We've talked every week, uh, you know, hours, hours, and hours at a time. We do our movie nights. We do, you know, just shooting the shit after each episode, usually. Um, yeah, we. I, I think we've become pretty close friends. I mean, I want to put you like in the top. Like you want to be on, you'd be on the second Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you could be like, Justin, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you're. I just here. love the second round. Rushmore it's like, I'm over
0: there with like Taft, William Henry Henry. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And John Quincy Adams. <laughs> LBJ, Thomas Marianne. <laughs>
1: Oh boy, am I going to be a president? Oh no! Yeah, oh, yeah don't want <laughs> that.
0: Don't. No, don't want I
1: mean, that. It's like my campaign's like, it's you, can't like right, you can't do worse. You can't do worse. You'll right. just be shrugging. Yeah, right. Thomas Murray wins the landslide. Jesus. Nate Silver couldn't have predicted this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's it's good yeah, to be yeah, here for
2: sure. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad you're
0: here. Yes.
1: Well, now we got to end this episode, Adam. The only way we know how. Yep. Which is doing our picking for next episode, because as we usually do, we, uh, you know, switch up on the quality of good and bad films mm-hmm. for each week. For next week's episode, I have the two bad ones, you have the two good ones, mm-hmm. and we've assigned those with numbers between one and ten yep. in order to get us to, uh, you know, the we have a person picking a number, and whichever one that gets closest to results in our good and our bad feature, and uh, we decided, you know, we like doing something related to the Oscars to some degree yep. when those come about. And uh, we decided this year, like, how about we celebrate someone who's been nominated? And in this case, it is Miss Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Yes, who's an actress we've wanted to do an episode about for a bit. She has a very interesting career. Yeah. Especially as, like, you know, someone from a foreign country trying to transition over into American films. She's done an interesting diverse range of movies, to say the least. Yeah, for
0: sure. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, we've done these, you know, sort of actor or director-centric episodes, like, you know, Burt Reynolds or Spielberg and stuff like that. Is this the first Hispanic person we've covered? Um, like as far as a straight topic, I believe it is. I mean, it's, well, it's definitely the first Hispanic woman.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, we've done like Guillermo del Toro, who obviously is like Mexican, as opposed to she's from Spain. Oh yeah, that's and true. If you go things, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. so,
0: but it's our first Hispanic actress. Yeah, because we've done barely any sort of actress-centric episodes. just Right, crazy.
1: but you know, Cruz yeah. Cruz is fascinating. We'll it's definitely really... have a lot to talk about there, and I. For the record, I don't know if you... You have the two good tweets, I don't know if you have Parallel Mothers. It would be kind of impossible to find right now because I think it's still in, like, limited release to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, deserved nomination. Incredible really? performance in that movie. She's so good. Good. Yeah, totally. Like, I was very pleasantly surprised she
0: was nominated. She's one of them actresses, man. When she's on, she's fucking on, dude. Yes. It's solid. But I- I'd say I don't think she ever turns in a half-assed performance. Just sometimes the material she's given does not work for her. As we'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. here, because
1: you have your two good picks, I have the two bad. And keep in mind, the Godfather rule is still in effect. Well, for you. For me, right. Yeah. Because uh, back last May, when we had our uh, third year anniversary, we instituted this thing of like, let's each have a veto in our back pocket. And we can use it only once. It's only one single veto that we can use throughout the whole year. And um, we have to use it for, if we hear a choice from the other person after we pick our number, and we hear that, it's like, hmm, you know what, actually... I want to take the cannoli, which means that choice is eliminated and we go with whatever other unsaid choice is there
0: right. for whatever it is. And you've already used yours. I know. And I, f- I fucked myself so bad. <laughs> right. it. I mean, I did, but I didn't because I used it to get out of watching that new Cinderella movie from Prime and I don't think we would have had much to talk about Versus... in, in comparison to the movie we did end up with. Yes. Which the, I don't uh... even remember
2: the fucking name of. Me,
1: you madness.
2: Ah, there you Me, go. Me, madness. Our shit. Our favorite. Uh,
1: yeah. Our favorite film awful <laughs> well adam for your two
0: good choices uh-huh. i'm gonna go ahead and pick number uh three all right at number one uh i have a movie believe it or not i have never seen but i know it by reputation i heard it's pretty great i have volver
1: Oh, Pedro Almodovar, right. Yeah, um, appro- sure. Appropriate given that she is nominated for a Pedro Almodovar movie, Parallel Mothers. Mm-hmm. This is also one I haven't seen. Oh, excellent. So you know what, I'm, I'm not going to take that cannoli. Once again, I have to use that
0: thing soon. <laughs> I'm going with... to get you somehow, man. You, ha- you have to. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some horrible shit up and just make you do it. All right. All right. What was your other choice? At number 10, I had the original version of, as we've talked about on the show before, one of my favorite movies of all time, and she plays the same role in both movies, but I had the original um, Open Your Eyes. Right, yes, which is remade in Vanilla Sky. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, Open
1: Your Eyes, very good movie, I, one I slightly prefer to Vanilla Sky, but, yeah. but you know, we, we've yeah, talked yeah, about Vanilla yeah. Sky, that you yeah, can yeah. go in the archives for that. But now Adam,
0: yeah. for my two bad choices. Oh, shit, I have a feeling I know what both of these are, <laughs> or at least... I'd be surprised if it's not at least one of these. Uh, well, you went number three, so I'll go a little bit higher. I'll go number eight.
1: Okay. Well, uh, it's interesting. Over at number ten, I had a movie I've heard about, and I've heard oh, okay. some interesting things, including some people who like, initially was very hated, but has kind of grown a cult appreciation, so I'm very curious about um, the Ridley Scott vehicle that also features Javier Bardem we should mention is her husband and is also yeah. nominated this year, yeah. uh, along with a huge cast of various others, I have Ridley Scott's The Counselor. Ooh. Ooh.
0: <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, well. <laughs> it's not... Uh, it's...
1: I've heard it's at least interesting. It's interesting. What Cameron Diaz does to a car. It's
0: yeah, yeah. I've yeah, heard yeah. it's very... It's funny. a fucking cast, too. Right, like, yes. It's a hell of a cast.
2: Right. So, yeah, all right. I'll,
1: I'll be curious. Um, and then, oddly enough, on the opposite end of the spectrum... I have a movie that's titled after a number that I didn't match with it. Um, I have a number three. I had the awful musical film starring Daniel Day Lewis and her
0: nine. Mm, I'm glad I missed that one. Oh God, I, that's you know that is the only Daniel Day Lewis movie I've never seen.
2: Because
0: hmm. a I heard it's terrible. Yeah. B it's a musical. That's yep, not my
1: it, it's not great. It's uh, Rob Marshall, once again, just doing a
0: terrible job. I'm curious, what were the movies you thought? What I were thought you, like? you were going to have Pirates 4.
1: Also a Rob Marshall film.
0: Yep. <laughs> yes. I expected that, and I thought either Brothers Grimsby. Oh. Yep. Or Captain Corelli's Mandolin.
1: I mean, those are ones I've heard of bad. I was trying to see if I could find Zoolander 2. But that has been like scrubbed from the earth, basically. I, ben Stiller does not I, want I you to. I own it. Oh, you did? I thought you didn't own that. That's on yeah. Well, Well, I mean... That's that's a the... that's a terrible film. Right, but instead we're going with the counselor <laughs> and Volver. Very interesting. Interesting movies. Yes. Well, and that's the end of our two hundredth episode, guys. On that note bum bum
2: bum 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 bum. bum. ba dooba dooba doobo.